Check out Unpacking Israeli History podcast. From the history of infamous terror groups, Hamas and Hezbollah, to the story of Nakba, to Israel's disengagement from Gaza in 2005, there's so much to uncover. Unpacking Israeli History cuts through the noise and helps you understand Israel's present through understanding Israel's history. Catch up on previous seasons and enjoy new episodes from Season 6 each week. So, educate yourself. Learn the history behind the headlines. Find Unpacking Israeli History wherever you listen to podcasts. Have you heard about the social media platform for kids? It's called Zikazoo. It's a great place where kids like me can come together to make fun videos. Videos moderated by real people who review content before it's posted to the feed. I love the dance challenges. I love that it's Kids Safe COPPA certified. Uh, I don't know what that means. It means it has built-in privacy protections for your online data. Zigazoo, the world's largest social network. For kids. <laughs> Download the Zigazoo app today. Beyond Zero is Toyota's vision of a carbon-neutral future and more. Toyota gives you the power to reduce carbon emissions and help move toward its vision with a wide selection of electrified vehicles. Whether you're into hybrid EVs for that traditional Toyota feel with better MPG, battery EVs for a smooth and silent ride, or plug-in hybrid EVs that switch between battery and fuel, Toyota has you covered. And for those who prefer hydrogen, Toyota's fuel cell EVs emit nothing but water vapor from the tailpipe. So cool. Giving you the choice on how to reduce carbon emissions and move closer to Toyota's Beyond Zero Vision. Visit toyota.com slash electrified vehicles slash beyond zero vision. Toyota, let's go places. CNN Underscore's Guide to Sleep has tons of recommendations for products that can help you get the best night's sleep ever. All right, let's face it. Most of us have had trouble falling or staying asleep at some point. And there are a lot of products and hacks claiming to be the solution to our sleepless nights. That's why the CNN Underscored team spend hundreds of hours testing products to find the ones that can make a huge difference in the quality of your slumber. Visit Underscored.com now for our ultimate guide to getting better sleep. Hey, y'all. We're rerunning two episodes today, which means that you'll hear two hosts, me and Tracy V. Wilson. Enjoy the show. Welcome to this day in history class from HowStuffWorks.com and from the desk of Stuff You Missed in History Class. It's the show where we explore the past one day at a time with a quick look at what happened today in history. Hello and welcome to the podcast. I'm Tracy V. Wilson, and I'd like to thank my colleague Holly Fry for filling in for me for the last seven episodes. Today is December 30th. The Iroquois Theater in Chicago caught fire on this day in 1903, killing at least 600 people. This theater was almost brand new. It had opened on November 23rd of that year. Performer Eddie Foy had described it as, quote, one of the finest that had yet been built in this country, a palace of marble and plate glass, plush and mahogany and gilding. On top of its beauty and magnificence, it was supposed to be fireproof. It had a capacity of 1,724, but on this particular afternoon, there were 1,900 people inside. It was standing room only, and most of the people in the audience were mothers and their children. It was the holiday season. They were taking family outings. And the second act of the show, at about 3.15 in the afternoon, one of the painted canvas backdrops brushed up against a reflector on a spotlight. Stage lights are incredibly hot, and this backdrop started to smolder. There was a stagehand who saw this happen and tried to put the fire out, but he just couldn't reach the backdrop from where he was. 
There was also an on-site firefighter, and he tried to put the fire out with two tubes of a product called Kill Fires. This was a tin tube, and what was inside was mostly baking soda. This probably would have done an okay job of putting out something like a grease fire on the stove in the kitchen, but on the vertical surface of an oil-painted backdrop, it just couldn't do the job, and the fire started to spread At first, no one in the audience or even on the stage was quite aware that anything was wrong because this fire was moving upward into the fly space above the stage. But then burning curtains and scenery started to fall onto the stage. Eddie Foy, who was on stage at the time, tried to keep the crowd calm, tried to get them to evacuate in an orderly fashion. But as he was talking, there were burning curtains falling at his feet, He yelled to the stage manager to drop the asbestos curtain. This was supposed to drop down between the stage and the audience in case of a fire, but it got snagged on a light fixture and it jammed partway down the track. Almost immediately, there was a huge panic in the audience and backstage. Actors and dancers opened the stage door to escape, and that let a blast of air into the theater. The vents that should have allowed this rush of air to go out through the roof were nailed shut. And there were also supposed to be fans that would pull air out through the roof, but those had never been finished. So the result was an enormous fireball. Foy stayed on the stage as long as he could, trying to maintain calm and to get people to exit safely, but he was finally forced to leave He was reunited with his son, who was with him that day, and who he had sent outside with a stagehand. Inside the theater, though, it was horrifying. It was dark. It was smoky. People couldn't find the exits. A lot of these exits, of which there were many, were hidden behind draperies, and many of them were locked. So many people were trampled to death trying to get to the exits. Some died after jumping out of windows, Even some of those who landed safely were then crushed by people falling on top of them. In just 15 minutes, the theater was a total loss. 575 people died that day out of the 1,900 people in the audience. So about 30% of the audience died, and nearly all the victims were women and children. There was only one performer who was killed. 30 more people died of their injuries in the following weeks, and hundreds more were injured. And it was a huge scandal. This was a supposedly fireproof building, but so many people had died. It wasn't ever really fireproof, though, and there were people who had pointed out problems long before the theater opened. The editor of Fireproof Magazine had pointed out lots of issues before the opening day, like that there was no draft to draw the fire up into the loft instead of allowing it to spread out into the audience, which is what happened. That's just one example. The theater's manager and several Chicago public officials were indicted after the fire, but none of them were ever charged. The owner of the theater was charged and convicted, but that charge was later reversed. None of the victims' families ever received any kind of restitution apart from one class action suit, and the members each received $750. This horrible fire did lead to some changes in the fire code, including a requirement that doors in the theater need to open outward and be clearly marked You can learn more about this in the December 8th, 2014 episode of Stuff You Missed in History Class. 
Thanks to Casey Pegram and Chandler Mays for their audio work on this show. You can subscribe to This Day in History class on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, the iHeartRadio app, and wherever else you get your podcasts. And you can tune in tomorrow for a disappearance that's still unsolved. There are some stories in Jewish history that are so bizarre, so fascinating, so completely wild that they feel like they're straight out of a movie, but they're all true stories. Join hosts Yael Steiner and Jonathan Schwab on Jewish History Nerds for a new season of intrigue, mystic realms, and bloody battles. In season three of these podcasts, you'll meet an ancient Arabian king who converted to Judaism in a struggle for power, a mysterious author who created amulets and performed Kabbalistic exorcisms, and a can't-miss story of a female Hasidic Rebbe whose story unfolds like a real-life Yentl to challenge societal norms. Jewish history nerds will keep you on the edge of your seat as you learn all about some of the craziest and most amazing yet largely unknown stories that fill Jewish history books. Find out what happened, how it happened, and why each story still matters today. Don't miss Jewish History Nerds Season 3, hosted by Yael Steiner and Jonathan Schwab. Find Jewish History Nerds wherever you listen to podcasts. Have you heard about the social media platform for kids? It's called Zigazoo. It's a great place where kids like me can come together to make fun videos. Zigazoo is moderated by real, live people who review content before it's posted on the feed. I especially love the dance challenges. So much fun. Oh, and there's no comments or messaging, so you don't get any of that negativity that's all over other social networks. Oh, my friends love it. I love that it's KidSafe COPPA certified. Uh, I don't know what that means. It means it has built-in privacy protections for your online data. Uh, that's great, but I wouldn't be doing Zigazoo if it wasn't fun. She would not be doing it if I didn't think her data was safe. Zigazoo, the world's largest social network. For kids! <laughs> Download the Zigazoo app today. Smart journalism. Fascinating topics. Words that describe CNN's podcast, The Assignment with Audie Cornish. We are revisiting the public school culture wars. What have we learned from the kids who fought against book bans? We really started the club to get students reading these books. Students have an opinion in this fight, too. How has the war over books sparked a backlash to the so-called parents' rights movement? It's not okay what they're doing, and they're being watched. Listen to The Assignment with Audie Cornish. Streaming now on the iHeartRadio app. Welcome to the Scene to Scene podcast. I am your host, Valerie Complex. Today, I am chatting with Ji Young Yu. Ji Young stars as co-lead in the six-part limited series, Expats. I think I learn a little bit with every character that I play. I think usually I play a character and it causes enough introspection that I learn something about myself. I honestly can't gush enough about Freaky Tales. I'm so excited to share it with more people. If you like what you hear, be sure to review, like, and subscribe to the Scene to Scene podcast. Hey everyone, if I sound a lot cozier today, it's because I am. I'm at home for the holidays, but this is This Day in History class, which means you'll still get a new slice of history every day. So let's get on with the show. The day was December 30th, 1924. American astronomer Edwin Hubble announced the existence of galaxies beyond the Milky Way. Hubble graduated from the University of Chicago in 1910 with a Bachelor of Science in Mathematics and Astronomy. 
1914, he went back to the University of Chicago to get his doctorate in astronomy. There, he began working at the Yerkes Observatory, where he studied nebulae or anything that wasn't immediately identifiable as a star. He got his doctorate in 1917, but that same year, the U.S. entered World War I, and Hubble joined the Army. Once the war ended, he returned to astronomy. Astronomer George Hale, founder of the Yerkes Observatory and director of the Mount Wilson Observatory, had offered Hubble a job at Mount Wilson before he went off to war. In 1919, Hubble took a staff position at Mount Wilson Observatory near Pasadena, California. There, he worked with the 100-inch Hooker Telescope, which was then the largest in the world. He stayed at the observatory for his whole career. At Mount Wilson, Hubble continued studying nebulae. At this time, scientists thought the Milky Way made up the entire universe, and spiral nebulae were thought to be clouds of gas or dust within the Milky Way. But in 1912, astronomer Henrietta Leavitt showed how to use Cepheids, or stars that brighten and dim periodically, to estimate their distance from Earth. And some astronomers did believe that the nebulae were distant island universes that were separate from the Milky Way. Starting in 1923, Hubble identified Cepheid variable stars in what was then known as the Andromeda Nebula. Based on their brightness, luminosity, and the distances of Cepheid stars in the Milky Way, Hubble determined that the stars were at least 800,000 light-years away. That meant that they were beyond the boundaries of the Milky Way, which had a maximum diameter of about 100,000 light-years. This discovery also revealed that nebulae are different star systems and that the universe extends past the reaches of the Milky Way. He called these galaxies extragalactic nebulae. By the end of 1924, other astronomers were aware of Hubble's findings. On December 30, 1924, he published his observations for review at a meeting of the American Astronomical Society that would take place two days later. Other astronomers accepted Hubble's conclusions pretty quickly. Hubble went on to find and describe more galaxies, dividing them into the categories of regular or irregular and the regular ones as spiral or elliptical based on their shape. And he made many other significant contributions to cosmology. In 1929, Hubble combined his work with that of astronomer Vesto Slipher and his assistant Milton Homison, and he found an essentially linear relationship between the distances of galaxies and their radial velocities. That concept came to be known as Hubble's Law. Put simply, it says that the farther apart galaxies are, the faster they move away from each other. Hubble's findings helped lead to the notion of the expanding universe. His work had big implications. Due in part to his observations, debate intensified around the idea of the Big Bang, or the universe's earliest expansion. Some said that the universe expanded from a single point at its origin, while others said that the universe exists in a steady state. The Hubble Space Telescope, launched by NASA in 1990, is named after him. I'm Eve Jeffcoat, and hopefully you know a little more about history today than you did yesterday. If you want to hit us up on social media, you can do so at T-D-I-H-C podcast, or you can just email us at thisday at iheartmedia.com. 
Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you tomorrow. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Hey, Sarah, I love that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was so cool. I think you're so talented. Social media is only positive with Zigazoo, the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. In Zigazoo, all community members are verified kids like yours, and all content is fully human-moderated. Try out Zigazoo this spring break. Download the Zigazoo app today. I'm Dr. Sanjay Gupta, CNN's chief medical correspondent, and this is Chasing Life. Three out of four U.S. adults are considered overweight or have obesity. 75% of Americans. Dr. Fatima Cody-Stanford. Our weight is one factor that plays a role in our health. But by itself, it doesn't give us the full story of who we are. We have to look at our full person. Listen to Chasing Life, streaming now on the iHeartRadio app. Hi, I'm Antonia Blythe, and this is 20 Questions on Deadline. Joining me today is Alison Bree. Welcome, Alison. We got second place in my seventh grade lip sync contest for one of the songs on that album. The one that was like, you've already won me over. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. It's a very all slow. The, all the options. In spite of me. <laughs> like, what did we do? It's so slow. Don't forget to listen to 20 Questions on Deadline. Thank you again, Alison. Thank you. There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex- Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. At- 